Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 145. And around our desk in Studio C today, and also on the line, we have uh, one of our reporters. But anyway, writer-producer Brian Robinson is right here. Right here, indeed. And online content coordinator. Wow, that's a nice. mouthful, Patrick. Love it. Ooh, yeah. Patrick Lucas. That's the new position. That's his new title. Turns out Everybody. he was a terrible writer, and yeah. we had to find something else for I got, him. Uh, I got let go. Uh, not quite. Uh, assistant producer Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. And on the phone, our FYI reporter Lauren Morrison, who's in Florida, but I hopefully not working on your tan, but working on motor <laughs> I am, I am, I promise. Okay. We have our lightning round, a viewer question, a rant and rave session. But first, let's get to the vehicles we've been testing lately. Okay. Cadillac's new flagship, CT6. Everyone can chime in. Let me set the pace. This is supposed to be their their new global uh, flagship, uh, similar in size to uh, an S-Class and a BMW 7 Series. They're still going to be uh, selling the XTS, which uh, it, it's not that much different in size, but it's a lot longer wheelbase. It's also significantly a return to rear-wheel drive architecture for Cadillac. What was everyone's impressions? Brian, let me start with you. Um, I, I liked it. It's kind of difficult, typical GM fashion. We hear about it for years before we actually get to drive it. So by the time we get to drive it, it's kind of hard to be excited about it, but... I think they did a good job. I think it looks great going down the road. Uh, we had the big engine, the big turbo, six, 400 horsepower. Um, it was pretty beastly. Uh, I'm not sure I'd want the base engine, which is a four-cylinder uh, turbo. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would do in such a big car. Yeah. But, you know, the interior is is kind of what makes or breaks the car in this segment to me. And I think they're close, but they're not quite there. They're still – it's just – the the materials I think were okay, but they're just a real mishmash of different materials. Too much. And, uh, it was like too many different uh, materials. It's almost all exclusively touch panel controls, which yeah. you know I can do without. But, but didn't we decide that at least the Q system, which has not been one of our favorites, this was livable? It was better. Sure. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I guess. I guess so. We're, or maybe we're just getting used well, to it. That's what I think too. At this point, we're wearing us down. The one thing that I uh, found is, you know, it doesn't it doesn't pretend to be an ATS or a CTS, but when you do the drive modes, it changed the character enough of the car that it actually felt like it. Had a, you know, it could be driven a little bit faster if you necessary, a little bit harder. So I was kind of impressed with that. It changed the character of the car. Yeah, I think the. Um Maybe I expected too much out of that twin turbo V6. It was strong, but it just didn't really have that like brute force that you get in like an Audi or, mm-hmm. or maybe a BMW. But well, supposedly they're going to do a V8 above it at some point. Yeah, that would be good. And I think you need. I think it's nice to have a V8 option in your flagship sedan. That's certainly that's what you would get if you went into a seven series or you know an S class. But um, yeah, I think. Pretty much what Robinson said. The interior is is good. It's there's some minor things I didn't like. I'm just now recalling that I think around the screen they had this like like a not a mesh but maybe like a gym short type perforated uh, <laughs> yes. material around that. Just kind of cheapened it up for me a little yeah. bit. 
Um, but yeah, again, like not blown away by the car, but it was a very good, very good, uh, very good car. I think. Liked it a whole lot better than the XT5 inside. I must yeah, say. and I yeah. think it it's kind of something more for the old Cadillac buyers, not old, but transitioning. Uh, uh, yeah, more. You know, they've they have done well with the ATS and CTS as far as bringing um, new people in, but then the XTS, I think as far as traditional Cadillac buyers, was not a big uh, success. I think this one might be more for the traditional uh, Cadillac buyer. Oh, That's gonna, the way I see it anyway. Apparently, they're going to keep the ATS around for a couple more years anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But hey, Patrick, any comment? Uh, I spent more time in it as a passenger than uh, actually in driving In the back it. seat, I uh-huh. bet. Well, no, actually in the front seat. I remember <laughs> a couple of times Greg was out doing some stuff, and I was just kind of hanging out with him. Um but I thought it was very comfortable. I didn't mess around with the controls too much just because, once again, I was the passenger. But, I mean, you know, if you're going to buy it for a family, I guess everyone else is certainly going to be comfortable in it. And I guess that's a, 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 good, big, that's a big factor good for a lot of people car. who buy cars. And Lauren, anything car. to chime in on? I was going to say with Patrick, I didn't really get to drive it. But, I mean, it's a good-looking car. I saw it in our lot, but uh, didn't really get to get in the driver's seat. <laughs> That's probably why you lost your writer's job, Patrick. You're out driving with Greg all day. So, well, doing your work. One thing we didn't talk about was the live uh, rearview mirror. Oh, I mean, Lord. While they yeah, were I guess there's a reason yeah, yeah, we didn't yeah, talk yeah. about it. Go it ahead. Kinda, it made me a little bit dizzy if it's I a, used it while I was driving. Because you can use it as a rearview mirror. It's right. not just like a backup camera. If you flip it up, I mean, that camera's there while you're driving forward, which it was a little disorienting for me. Do uh, you, wear, you don't wear glasses no, normally. No, I don't. I work, I'm supposed to wear glasses all the time, and I found every time I looked at it, this is the video rearview mirror. It's a video display. Every time I looked at it, it, it took me like an instant to focus, mm-hmm. and well, I don't know if it's the disorientation of not having the headrest and a smaller you know, rearview mirror, a rearview backlight to look out of, but there was something there well, that sort of like freaked me out. I wear glasses, too. I'm wearing contacts now. Um, but yeah, it's like the the surface itself is still kind of it's still a mirror underneath it. So it's you get this live video display, but then there's still a mirror. So you think that's what underneath it, is. it huh. and you're still kind of seeing. At least to me, it felt like you're still seeing a little Double bit image. of a reflection of the normal <laughs> perspective, and then this video perspective, which is a lot wider and a lot lower because i think it's located well that's, that's an interesting explanation yeah, i guess we, we have is. not asked an engineer about it but it was something about it that just threw me off and like they need to get better than this before i think i'd be wanting to necessarily use it all the time yeah okay let's move on to our second car another luxury car and actually far more of a mainstay in the luxury sedan business and this is the uh, long-awaited and much-talked-about uh, Mercedes-Benz E-Class, uh, complete with all of its semi-autonomous driving capabilities, which yeah. we'll get to a little mm. bit later. Patrick, uh, you're the front person on the E-Class. Um, yeah. You know, what do you think? I was very impressed with it. Um, from a, I guess, luxury, not wouldn't say technology, but just sort of luxury comfort standpoint. Um I drove it a lot because I went on the, the press preview, um, and it has the same turbo i4, the 241 horsepower, as the C-Class, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. a couple other, I yeah. think, maybe some SUVs, yeah. um, which was plenty of power. I mean, it wasn't crazy fun or anything like that, but it was entertaining. Um, just inside, though, really comfortable, really good material quality. Um, they're doing this sort of dual 
screen, like widescreen setup for your um, center stack and your instrument cluster. It's optional for the instrument cluster, but it's basically 12.3-inch diagonal screen, um, high-def screen for your center stack, and then you can get an adjoining one also that has all your gauges and everything in it. So it creates sort of this, like, seamless flowing mm-hmm. display, and it it looks pretty slick. I mean, some people say it looks kind of cheap, especially I think a lot of manufacturers now are going with that flat screen sort of almost looks like an iPad tacked onto the top of your dash. Yeah. I know Audi's doing yeah. it and Mercedes yeah. is doing it and I think even BMW. But Mazda. It, lo- it, it looks pretty cool when you have two of them slapped together and they're, it's one physical piece mm-hmm. with two, just a tiny little black strip in between. And it looks pretty slick. I mean, I, like I said, the sound system's amazing. The seats are really comfortable. Uh, everything feels good to the touch. So I... I thought it was a very nice car. Now, they've, uh, you know, we're going to talk about autonomous driving later, but did you have any chance to actually do any kind of uh, testing of the uh, semi autonomous systems? Because uh, according to all reports, it's now basically comparable to uh, Tesla's autopilot, maybe a little bit better. I did not, just because I, I, when I'm on press previews or the first time I'm ever in a car, I don't tend to mess around with technology. I don't really. You only get the feel of the car. Fully understand. Yeah. Unless they have, like, an actual demonstration. Exactly. Can, so I, I'm not going to take that thing out on a public road or public highway and just start messing around with their supposedly autonomous driving system. So I did not test it out to the full extent. What did they tell you about the car while they were there? They said that it was – they added a bunch of things to their drive pilot system and their Distronic system, which are, you know, pretty uh, – Pretty robust autonomous systems, um, I guess not unlike the autopilot for Tesla, but they said that it will, well, auto braking to a full stop is nothing new at this point. Right. They said you can change lanes at speed, it'll do that That's for you. That's supposed to be the big deal with right, it. Right, it'll yeah. change lanes at speed for you. Um, adaptive cruise, obviously, in sort of a 360 ish kind of radar system so that it won't let you merge into someone or if someone's going to merge into you i don't know if it'll stop you or if it'll steer you out of the way i can't remember exactly the specifics of that but basically highway driving is what they really want to fully autonomize right so good looking car i mean i know i've only seen it at the auto shows but i was impressed by how they've taken the a lot from the s-class and brought it down without making it look like a clone or thank frankly without cheapening the s-class yeah i, I mean you said good looking. I, I wouldn't say it's amazing looking, or it's like it really stands out that much. But it is very much a luxury car, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks very it. premium. And if yeah. you're sitting in your driveway, people would probably think you have a lot of money. So does it still use the uh, <laughs> command system? Like, there's no touchscreen or anything like with the uh, integrated. Um, yeah, it still has that sort of. Uh, rotating dial with the, the little cell phone pad, yeah, the exactly. central controller Which, with it. I, you know, I never really bought into it, but they they seem to be sticking with it for a while now. I don't have a problem with it. I think it works okay. Yeah. Let's move to the other end of the spectrum. And, Lauren, we're going to turn to you. You went to the uh, press preview for the Hyundai Elantra. A very important car for Hyundai in a time when cars are not selling particularly well, but it's uh, their bread-and-butter compact. And I take it the uh, only model you had a chance to uh, that was previewed at this event was the four-door sedan? Yeah, that was the only one. Um, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Like you said, it's not a luxury car, um, but, you know, we drove around for a couple hours to uh, San Diego, and I was really impressed. I mean, I guess 
when you look at it, for there was a lot of elements, I thought, from the Sonata. Um, I mean, it doesn't look too different on the outside, but really when I got inside, you saw a lot of upgrades and changes in the interior. Um, you know, you don't have the center stack anymore um, that flows into the console. It's, like, highly segmented. looks more grown up. Um, in terms of behind the wheel, I thought it had a lot of get up and go, got me where I needed to go. I mean, you don't have all the bells and whistles of, you know, like a Mercedes-Benz E-Class, but it has everything you need. And, I mean, you've got Google, you know, Google Play, Android Auto. Um, it has everything you need. And so, I, I, you know, I don't know. It's fun because I, I go on a lot of these these car events. And so to see the Hyundai launch and then I went on the Chevrolet Cruze event, just to kind of compare and contrast this segment is kind of fun. Um, but I was I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, it's a lot more quieter. Uh, they did a lot of work with um, the interior in terms of the thickness of the glass. So it was a lot a quieter ride. So I really enjoyed it. I don't have any complaints. I'm a pretty I'm a pretty easy reviewer. So I I liked all the elements. Well, having driven, you mentioned that you were on the Chevy uh, event too. But having driven mm-hmm. this Hyundai's obvious their claim to fame is you know giving you more for less money. Um, yeah. The price advantage is not what it used to be, but they've every time they brought out a new model, it's like they've stepped up and tried to raise its um, quality, luxury quotient, whatever you want to call it, uh, so that people mm-hmm. get in and think they've got more than what they paid for. Did you feel that way? Did Was this enough to where you said a little bit of a wow when you got in it? You know, I... I, I... I felt like it was, but I think that every every manufacturer is doing that. Everyone is trying to one up somebody else, and so there's always I'm always blown away by what you get for what the price is. I definitely think everybody's trying to do that. But when I got in the Elantra, I was saying this is this is the price. I mean, it starts at like eighteen grand, um, and even with your base base model, you get a whole lot. Um, so I was really impressed with it, uh, and I definitely felt like hey, you're you're getting bang for your buck. The previous car kind of got panned because um, it was a step backwards in, in uh, drive quality. Uh, I think we said that, and a lot of other reviewers did, too. Uh, my understanding is this car drives better. Oh, yeah. It has a much more uh, rigged chassis, so I, I felt like it was very smooth. Like I said, we drove for a couple hours. We drove uh, through San Diego, you know, through mountains, and so I didn't have any, you know, when I got out of the car... I was fine, you know. I didn't feel like, hey, I, I wasn't. I was impressed with the drive. Is really, really what it comes down to. It was uh, a very smooth. Like I said, um, you know, no complaints. I definitely think. I, I was reading, you know, I was talking with other other people while we were on the event, and they were saying the same thing. You know, during our lunch break, like, hey, this is a really smooth ride. We weren't expecting this, and you know, I'm I'm definitely the same. Anybody else uh, have a comment? Most of us have just seen the car. Yeah. No, we had it right here and tested it. That's right. We did uh, have it here. Um, How quickly we forget. Yeah, if you go by our email, we love every Hyundai and never say anything bad about them. But uh, <laughs> we actually did. You hit we on did. it. The last Elantra, yeah. we, we said it was really a step back for them with the rough ride quality and noisy. And uh, they addressed both of those issues big time with this model. So I think it uh, should do well. I have to tell you, I don't. Rem- I think I spent... All of 15 minutes in this one. All I remember about it was that it 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 
looks so much more uh, – I mean, Lauren just used the word grown up. It looked more mm-hmm. like a car that a family would use than a Corolla, say. Uh, maybe not as much as a Civic, but it looked more grown up. And I think that's something we've seen with a lot of compacts from at all price levels. Yeah, they're getting so so big. They're, most of them are technically mid-sized cars yeah, now. So, this was, uh, I so, yeah, why wouldn't they be more family-oriented? All right, good all-around uh, compact, uh, i.e. small family car. Thanks, Lauren. Let's move on to our lightning round. And we have two minutes, and Patrick's over there with the bell in his hand. This is wavering above it. Uh, to debate a trending automotive topic, everybody can sort of chime in. I mentioned earlier we were going to talk about uh, semi-autonomous driving, and, he, oh, and here they are. Oh, Semi-autonomous driving systems are in the headlines. Tesla and Mercedes-Benz, first with the S and now the E, seem to be in the forefront of the technology, making great strides. But both have hit snags because of people misusing the systems, pilot error. Or the brands overstating their capabilities. Mercedes had to pull their uh, advertisement of the new E-Class because some consumer groups complained. What do we think about the current state of autonomous driving? Do we think these systems should be undergoing testing on public roads? Like, I mean, you know, Tesla calls their system the in a beta test version, like a computer program. What do you think? I can't believe lawyers have let it go as far as they have. I mean, when okay. navigation came out... You had to sit there and wait 30 seconds before you could get the map up while you, you know, agreed not to use it while you were driving. They pretty much, like you said, put these things out with only uh, base testing on them. And here you go. Go crazy. Don't take your hands off the wheel and don't worry about driving. Yeah, but you can't take your hands off the wheel. That's the problem. And then it comes in with the Tesla names it autopilot. Right. What is it autopilot to <laughs> anybody who thinks semi autonomous? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. just. I think that the branding there is bad, and I think they really need to. And the, I don't think they go out of their way to let people know that like this really is in a beta testing, and you should be mm-hmm. attentive when when you're using the system. I think they really have to say that you know we do call it autopilot, but you got to be aware and you got to be ready to take over for when it, it encounters a situation that it can't handle, because there's definitely situations that it can't handle. We need people to pay attention more in cars, not less. Um, Lauren, any comments? I, I mean, I agree with Brian. Like, I've been on some some drive events, and I'll have a passenger in the car, and even, you know, like adaptive cruise control, people are just, you know, chatting with me, looking over, and I'm like, oh, my God, just focus on the road. Like, I get that. I mean, I'll even admit, you get in the driver's seat and you use some of this technology, and after, you know, a couple minutes, it's working, and, I mean, you kind of lose focus on, you know, the drive. So I get it, but I agree with everybody that it's, it's scary thinking that everybody on the road could be just as distracted if, if everybody's driving a, some kind of autonomous vehicle. I mean, all the videos showing people, especially in Teslas, driving with their hands in their laps and, and all of that, and the manufacturer there for a while was actually encouraging that. That was a bad move. Now they're trying to, and maybe this is an answer to the legal s- system, trying to back away from saying that that autopilot uh, at Tesla is one system, and that was not at fault. But autonomous braking, which apparently was why the car didn't stop, that's a separate system when anybody logically would think they have to be part of the same mm-hmm. system, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, 
So I think my, you know, I, my feeling is exactly like yours is, is these systems are not ready for prime time and they should not be encouraging people to use them without paying attention. And frankly, if your hands move from the wheel more than a few seconds, the system should give you a warning and then shut off promptly. And I assume that's probably what they will do very soon. I want, I want our friends at the uh, IIHS, if you're watching or listening, to uh, start, you know, Start testing doing some stuff. testing. I and think they would. Uh, they would probably shed some serious light on that. Like all this. Uh, what's the newest one? Well, the side impact, the front overlap, and then the uh, the headlights are the big right. thing now. Mm-hmm. Once they really step in, um, a lot of the actual issues become glaringly obvious for some reason. So they, once they, they, I think once they start testing it, once they'll you'll start to realize. We saw this in their um, emergency in their automatic braking test when right. they started doing emergency automatic emergency braking the systems were really not very good. Mm-hmm. Within 1 year they all came up to ex- almost ex- exceptional standards. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time for them or someone like them to step up to this as well. That's oh. a good point, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Well done. Ring the bell. Thanks, guys. Ring the bell. I think we've done it. <laughs> Uh, okay, now we're going to move on to uh, a viewer question. Um, I have a – I don't know why this person wants to remain anonymous, but anonymous asked. They didn't want, uh, they didn't want to remain anonymous. Man, I was getting ready seven to, subs. I think that is a possible um, baby name. I have a 2007 Saab. Okay. A Saab with an airbag recall notice. So it's got a Takata airbag. When I originally got it, the dealer had no replacements in stock when I called. We kept driving, but now the airbag malfunction light has come on in the dash. Now, no dealers have or probably will have replacement parts. What should I do? You know, put a piece of tape over the uh, light and (laughs) carry on. Ignore it. Before you do that, I I, I wimped out and I gave Pat Goss, our our, uh, technician guru uh, for the show, for since the beginning a call. Uh, He actually had seen this question before. He says you've got a couple of choices. Uh, One is you could start searching wrecking yards for a replacement airbag. He said the chances are, of course, you're going to be replacing it with an airbag that will also be recalled. So you have to keep that in mind. But unless you live in a a very humid environment, you're probably okay. At least that's what the experts seem to be saying. That's one thing. The other thing is, however, uh, if – you check with the, he should check with his technician, whoever services his car, because generally speaking, when you get an airbag malfunction light, it means the airbag is not working and will not go off in an accident. So you don't have protection, but you also probably are not in danger of it coming apart and having the shrapnel blow up in your face. So you might just want to live with it. After all, the car is not really worth that much anyway. Uh, but I would check the, your technician and whoever takes care of sobs and say, is that true, um, that with that light, it means it's not working? And then you can do, as Brian said, and put a piece of tape over it. What you should not do is let somebody go in and tamper with it to disconnect the wiring or anything like that. It's, it's illegal, and they really have to know what they are doing, or they could set it off accidentally. I should preface. Uh, I, 
I cut in. I think I cut out some details. He said it was uh, the, a mint 07 Saab with 60,000 miles on it. It's, it's still not worth anything. Wow. Right. Come on. All right. Uh, I mean, it's worth stuff, something to him. Saab's going to come back one day, and you're going to have yeah, to answer that. Is, my is eBay an option? I mean, I'm sure some people are selling on eBay. Are you I think, to I think I uh, sure. I'm, I imagine <laughs> rec- between wrecking yards and something like eBay, uh, he can probably find it. Of course, you have to realize that the fault may not be in the airbag, it could uh-huh. be in the electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to spend money to test that out? Well, that if he's got a mint condition car, and I, I'm sure I've insulted him here. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, maybe he wants to take that route. I love sobs. I really do. I, I miss them. Uh, but at this point, you do have to be concerned about whether or not you're throwing good money uh, at something that may not be worth it. And it sounds like there's no real, no satisfactory solution. Shouldn't Saab be at least recommending well, Something? except that they don't exist anymore. Yeah. The only thing that exists yeah. from them is yeah, the uh, is the parts uh, operation. Yeah. Just, no. There's somebody who still gonna, thinks Sob's a thing. There's working some dark ops in office. <laughs> Lauren, did you have something to when say? I did a, yeah, when I did a piece on uh, recall alerts, I was doing some research, and a lot of manufacturers will give out loan loan replacement cars until they get the parts in. But since Sob doesn't exist anymore. I can't really, you know, say what would happen in that part, but a lot of dealers were giving out, um, you know, you bring your car in, we don't have the parts, we're not going to be able to get them in for six months, take out this loaner car. Wow, um, six months later. So, I don't, you know, I don't know where you would take it. I don't know what dealers you would take it to. I was about to say, who owned owned Saab last? Was that GM? No, no. Oh, they some Sweden's uh, oh, company it? bought it back yeah. from oh, GM. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's actually the name is actually owned by someone, and the parts company okay. supplying parts still exist. But I don't, not to my knowledge, there's no franchise Saab dealers anymore. Yeah. So, and that's the problem. So, sorry, autonomous. Maybe that's why you didn't <laughs> want to use your name. Uh, we don't have autonomous any autonomous. satisfactory solution. However, Pat. Uh, I think Pat's advice to start looking for a replacement on your own, either on from wrecking yards or, as Brian suggested, maybe um, eBay, something like that, is probably a good idea. But you must get it replaced by somebody that knows what they're doing. So there's got to be some technicians that are still around that work on SOPs, and I assume that's what you're, you, you've, you've taken yours to. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our last segment for this podcast, our rant and rave. Okay, anybody got anything? Trends, stories, developments? We've already pretty much gone over autonomous driving. Anything else sticking in your craw? craw. Whatever it is. I got nothing, actually. Lauren, you're down in Florida these days. Anything down there that people are irked about? Zika? No, I don't think so. All the snowbirds are gone, so we're pretty happy down here. Uh, all the snowbirds. Uh, <laughs> well, tell me something. We're really into offending when, people today. We, <laughs> that's awesome. That's an offensive podcast. <laughs> when you are there during the winter season, as a full-time yeah. resident, do you get frustrated with oh, out-of-town so by- drivers? So frustrated. Uh, it's more so on the west coast of florida for some reason people love to flock over there but it's all over it is it is like a migratory thing people come once it starts to cool down here and get cold up north and it i mean it is so frustrating and you can spot them on the road even you know even if if they try and have like a car down here with florida plates i know I know you're a snowboard, and I know you don't belong here. This is not this is not proper. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I guess none of us will be coming. Oh, to this very, watch it go. Frustrated. 
Haters going to hate. <laughs> you know, one of the things that um, I, I'll, I've got a gripe, and it's primarily a gripe, I think, around this area right here, and that's the – I see it more every day. It's the combination of heavy traffic, someone trying to get one or two vehicles ahead, oh, and never yeah. using a turn signal because they're afraid they're going to get cut off. And you're mm-hmm. sitting back there and watching these idiots playing video games with their cars, and I don't know, I mean, maybe that's because I'm getting old. Is just I get so frustrated with them, I want to just reach in the car and wring their neck. Wow. I think we should end this before well, we yeah. offend anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't care hate if I insult those. We got grandmas out there? Do you want to start complaining about grandmas grants. or something? Or <laughs> Nobody else has got anything? Uh, All right. I guess that means time. we should hush up and go away. I'm a pacifist. Man. All right. <laughs> Thank you, our online Jeez, content coordinator, Patrick that. Lucas, <laughs> our writer-producer, Brian Robinson, our assistant producer, Greg Carlos, FYI reporter, Lauren Morrison on the telephone. Remember those devices? Yeah. And thank you all for uh, having a good listen to our MotorWeek podcast, number 145. I also want to thank our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and producer, Patrick uh, Lucas, again. Gosh, you're getting a lot of billing on this show. Mm-hmm. For everyone out there, thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you catch Motor Week on public television stations all across the country and on Velocity, Discovery's high-performance channel. Uh, We're a mainstay there, and we thank them very much for carrying us. Till next time, I'm John Davis. I think that's what I said. Thank you for watching, listening, and being a part of Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.